Well, brothers and sisters, I am grateful to be with you today, and uh, I commend you for being here, for bettering yourselves, for getting more education and uh, looking to the future. There's a saying that says, habits, good or bad, are first like cobwebs, then like chains. Habits, good or bad, are first like cobwebs, then like chains. So the important thing in all of our lives is to become slaves to good habits. And as those turn into chains, then they will guide us and direct us. I want to, give, I want to begin with a promise to each of you. If you will faithfully apply the principles that we talk about today and do it throughout your life, I promise you your life will not be the same, that you will receive blessings that Heavenly Father has in store for you. So I hope that you'll, you'll listen. Brothers and sisters, let me ask you this. What if there were a way to overcome any bad habits, addictions, or burdens that you have? What if there were a way to gain such confidence in the Lord that you could call down the powers of heaven and know that he is there guiding your footsteps? I want to tell you there is a way. What if you could teach the principles to your troubled friends or loved ones that enable them to overcome their personal challenges, to draw closer to the Lord, and to truly feel his strength, love, and concern for them. You can teach these principles. The Lord has promised that we will never be tempted with something that, is, that we cannot overcome. The key to develop the spiritual strength necessary to receive the fulfillment of that promise, how do we do that? How do we build ourselves to the point where we can avoid that temptation. We need to do our part. If we're not willing to be obedient and work, we should not expect the miracle. My experience has always been that the miracles are found on the far side of obedience and hard work. A person who can discipline himself to fast on a regular basis in the way that the Lord has designed, can resist, resist every temptation, overcome any burden, and be set free from any yoke that binds him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, the Lord promises, there hath, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. An omniscient Father in heaven has provided every needful thing so that his children can call upon him with confidence and feel his love. He provides tools to allow us to overcome every temptation and overcome the natural man, one of the most powerful and often neglected tools that God has given us is the law of the fast. As we more fully understand and use this tool as Father in Heaven intended, it will change our lives. We will then be able to go to the Lord in confidence and call down the powers of Heaven. It is my desire to help each one of us more fully understand and receive the blessings and power that God intended through the exercise of this powerful tool. Principle 1. A true fast requires more than just going without food. In Isaiah chapter 58, 
We are promised very specific blessings and powers if we will fast in the way that God has chosen. Verse 6, Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? He will free us from the bands of wickedness, he will lift our heavy burdens, and he will let us let the oppressed go free. In fact, he promises to empower us to break every yoke. How many people are oppressed by sin, by bad habits and addictions? What an enabling promise to have the power to break every yoke. If a person fasts properly and consistently, he can overcome any bad habit, sin, or addiction that burdens his life. Is there anyone here who would not want to be freed from the personal burdens that they are carrying? Fasting allows us to avail ourselves of this cleansing and purifying power. Principle two, a generous fast offering blesses others. When we bless others, God blesses us. Isaiah teaches the principle of fast offerings. He teaches that in order, for, in order to receive the promised power and blessings, we must not only fast, we must also care for our poor and needy. We qualify for God's promised blessings and power as we care for all of His children. In verse 7 we read, Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the, the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Verse 10 teaches the same fast offering principle. And if thou draw out thy soul to hunt the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. Principle 3. We will be enlightened and have the companionship of the Holy Ghost as we fast. Not only does the Lord promise the power to overcome all of our sins, but also promises light, health, and righteousness in our lives. And just as the children of Israel, He promises His glory will surround us and protect us. Verse 8. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee, and, glory, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. In verses 9 and 11, we receive the promise that he will hear our prayers. We can approach him with complete faith and confidence. Our hunger will be satisfied with the bread of life, and our thirst will be quenched with the living water that never fails. Verse 9, Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. Verse 11, And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make, thy, and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water whose waters faileth not. Principle four, fasting allows our spirit to subdue the natural man, thus inviting the spirit of the Holy Ghost. Proper fasting requires discipline. Fasting helps us accomplish one of the vital purposes of life, developing self-mastery. 
President Nelson taught, <clears throat> simply stated, fasting is to establish the supremacy of the spirit over the body. Each one of us is born with natural appetites and impatience. A newborn baby is hungry and wants what he wants when he wants it and can't be postponed. Then maturity ensues, and as we become more mature, we develop the ability to discipline our physical appetites by our mind. We develop self-mastery. Now, as we read in the Old Testament, <clears throat> we hear about fasting, ostentatious fasting. In biblical times, a symbol of a pious Pharisee was his ability to fast, evidenced by his contorted face. Christ never condemned fasting. He condemned ostentatious fasting or boasting about one's fasting. What happens physically when, when you fast? Well, let me back up. King Benjamin also taught the importance of being rid of the natural man. Let's see what happens when we, when we are physically fasting. When a person starts a fast, biochemical adjustments begin in the bloodstream to compensate for the lack of food. A carbohydrate substance known as glycogen is released from its storage areas in the liver and muscles. The body uses glycogen as food to keep cells supplied with energy. After 24 hours, now isn't that interesting, 24 hours, and we've been asked to fast 24 hours. But after 24 hours, this food source is used up and another source of energy is needed. Dr. Siegfried Haydn of the Duke University Department of Community and Family Medicine says, the body starts looking for other energy sources. The first thing that happens after the 24 hours of fasting is the breakdown of fat cells that produce ketone bodies. These ketone bodies seem to have an effect on our psyche in that they make us no longer hungry. For example, a person on a, two, on a second day of a fast can sit across from a person with a delicious meal who is encouraging him to eat. The fasting person isn't even tempted. Isn't it interesting as you start the fast, my body screams and screams. By the end of the 24 hours, the body's not screaming anymore. Ketone bodies have the ability to reduce appetite. Caution must be taken. This is a bad way to diet. <laughs> the body not only breaks down fat, but also begins to break down muscle tissue. After 50 days of fasting, in most cases, it's terminal. Doctors have found that the heart muscle literally breaks apart. Well, let's talk about this natural man or natural woman. In each of us, there is a physical and there is a spiritual. Here we have the natural man and here we have the spiritual man. In the world that we live in, as King Benjamin and President Nelson taught, normally the natural man is in charge and the spiritual man is subject to the natural man. What our Lord is telling us that we need to do is let the, have this, the natural man become subject to the spiritual man. And each time that we have the opportunity to fast, we can have that victory. The spiritual man can have the victory over the, the uh, natural.
principle five, fasting intensifies prayer. In the scriptures alone, I have found at least 35 references to fasting. 18 of those, more than half, link fasting to prayer. Proper fasting magnifies our ability. Let me catch up here. There are the scriptures, but, but fasting, proper fasting, magnifies our ability to study, to pray, and to talk, to, to teach. Principle six, bearing a personal testimony is part of an ideal fast. President Henry B. Eyring taught, the fast also helps us to feel humble and meek so that the Holy Ghost may, be more easily, or may more easily be our companion. By our fast, we both keep our covenant to care for others, and we prepare to keep our covenants to bear testimony. How would—how, excuse me, how should we bear testimony? President Eyring continues, those who have prepared carefully for the fast and testimony meeting won't need to be reminded how to bear testimony should they feel impressed to do it in the meeting. They won't give sermons nor exhortations nor travel reports nor try to entertain as they bear witness because they will have already expressed appreciation to people privately. They will have less need to do it publicly. Neither will they feel a need to use eloquent language or to go on at, at strength or go on at length. So many times our, our meetings turn into travelogues and experiences, and all of those things are wonderful. I appreciate again Elder Bednar said a similar thing to President I, Elder Iring that a testimony is what you know by the power of the Holy Ghost, and you can bear a testimony in one to two minutes. And, uh, and explain exactly how you feel by the Spirit. Preparation is a covenant obligation. Going on, President Eyring says, Elder Eyring says that preparation for the fast and testimony meeting is a covenant obligation for members of the church. The offering of the gospel to, to those we meet and to our families are covenant obligations. We can take heart that our honest effort to keep our covenants allows God to increase our power to do it. We all need that assurance at times when our promise to love and to witness seems hard for us to, to do. Now, the question comes, how can we apply all of these principles into the, the ideal fast so that we can call upon that power? I suggest 11 steps that will help us to put off the natural man and become a saint through the atonement of Christ and claim the promised blessings and miracles from our Father in heaven. Number one, plan for the upcoming fast. Don't wait until Saturday night and say, oh no, tomorrow's Sunday, fast Sunday. Plan for the upcoming fast. Meditate on the purpose for your fast or the purpose of your fast. Two, begin your fast with a kneeling prayer. 
tell God the purpose of your, your fast. I think when we go to a private place and kneel down and officially start that fast, it shows our Father in heaven that we are really serious. Three, go 24 hours without food or drink. I'm parasitical enough that I look at the time when I start fasting and I wait until it's 24 hours. And I love that feeling of my spirit has told my body I'm in charge and not you. Four, whenever hunger pains come, use this as a reminder to pray again about the purpose of your fast. Don't complain to everyone about how hungry you are. Number five, in that prayer and in your prayers, express more gratitude in your prayer than asking for additional blessings. Number six, give a generous fast offering. I remember oftentimes we become a little stingy and we think, well, what is the price of these two meals? Sometimes that's a sacrifice. I would just say, but for others it's not. I would say that, this, that giving a, fa a generous fast offering requires some sacrifice from you. And I won't tell you what that is because I don't know, but the Holy Ghost will. And as we pay that fast offering generously, the promised blessings will come. Number seven, when prompted, as President Eyring, Elder Eyring said, bear a brief testimony in, fa in fast and testimony meeting. Number eight, during your fast, focus yourself in reverent contemplation. Saturday before fast day ought to be a different Saturday. And it ought to be a time that we're contemplating and thinking, recognizing that uh, who is in charge and that really we are nothing without our Father in heaven. So use that time during your fast. Focus yourself in reverent, reverent contemplation. Number nine, study the scriptures in the time that you would have been eating. Make that time productive. Journal or study, but make that a productive time. Number 10, after meetings, go to your sacred grove. And I hope all of you have a, a special place, your sacred grove, where you can go and talk to Father and end your fast with a kneeling prayer. And number 11, commit to be a better person and make plans with God how you will improve. Brothers and sisters, I promise you, that our Father in heaven wants us to be strong spiritually. And as we overcome the natural man and the natural tendencies of that natural man, we will become strong spiritually. I promise you that fasting is a principle of power. It changes lives. I testify that God is mindful of the fasting and prayers of all of his children, young and old. I think of the experience that we had many years ago when our daughter, who now has four, four children, was in a serious accident and we didn't know if she would live or die. As our other children went to school, many of the little children, the ward members, had told the lunch lady, we aren't eating today. And she said, why aren't you eating? And they said, because our, our friend Emily needs our fasting and prayers.
And that was a grade school. And so there they sat in the lunchroom. I know that God heard those prayers. He hears all of our prayers. He wants us to return to his presence. He is our father. Jesus Christ is our brother and his atonement is real. They have provided every needful thing to allow us to break every yoke and return home. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.